Attention feminists! Murder Most Irish merchandise available now from teespring.com. Plain, boring old tea's getting you down? Hey, buddy, does your huddy scream fuddy-duddy? Spruce up your wardrobe with brand new and improved MMI apparel exclusively from teespring.com. Don't be a mug? Buy one of ours. Like to steal things? Conceal your identity at the local shop and go with a kooky face mask. Be the swingingest crazy bag lady on the block with our organic totes. Murder Most Irish merchandise at teespring.com for all your murder feminist needs. Teespring.com is a third-party company. All stock manufacturing, purchases and refunds are handled exclusively by them. Any queries should be directed to www.teespring.com. I feel like I... Uh, 36.5. Um, episode 36. Jesus, that's oh, oh. You alright? Yeah. No. No? No. How's your feet? Oh, Jesus Christ. I have edema in my legs. Slow pitting edema. What the fuck is slow pitting edema? It's like a build-up of like fluid. What can you do? Um, Go to the doctor and figure out why it's happening. Okay. Will they give you pills or something? Will they give you those fucking water pills? Is that water pills? Is that what they it give you? It depends on what's for? causing it. I have it on, on and off every now and then. Is that well, when you press into your skin, yeah. it doesn't bounce back? Yeah. So. That's crazy. Yeah. And the other day I was sitting, it's only in the bottom half of my legs, not on the top. Uh, but the other day I was sitting on the sofa and I had my legs crossed. And then when I got up, there was like a great big a dent. dent in my knee, in my um, shin. And Graham was like, that's disgusting. It looks like someone stood on your leg and it's broke the wrong way. But it's not. It's just it's my... Just your, it's I've got like a massive muscle. amount of fluid. It's not my muscle. It's just fluid. Watch. Push like really hard in there. That's crazy. It's worse if I'm like sitting down all day. I have to kind of keep my legs... Elevated and moving yeah. and stuff. Dude, what the fuck? So they just get like tired. They get tired. <laughs> I am sore and tired at the end of the day. We're very old. Oh, I think that that's partly one of the reasons for everything. What causes that? And I was like, I'm not going to Google it because I've Googled it before and it's devastating and I don't think it's that. Um. What is it? (laughs) It can be like a symptom of congestive heart failure. No. Um, That's not what that is. And um, you just have kidney failure. You have fluid retention, I'd say. And uh, potential thyroid. Go to the doctor. I have, I rang to make the appointment and I, every time I make the appointment he changes Are it. you going over to Dr. Ali? No. Good, because you'll have to wear a fucking full hazmat suit. Dr. Ali, I was going to the medical centre. And he's going to spray you when you walk in. I was oh. going to the medical centre in Ballyferma. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I've made an appointment and they've changed it twice and then every time I try and ring I can't get through to them. Yeah, Colin's meant to have an appointment <clears> for something and he can't get it either. There's, they just seem to be absolutely out the door like. I understand. But I like, wonder why, what's going on? Um, <laughs> I like, understand just love the pandemic, but there's other medical no, conditions in the world that I feel like people are being there was, uh, somehow overlooked. There because was a lady on um, a podcast I was listening to last week and she said that she found a lump in her breast just at the start of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And because the pandemic had happened, she felt like guilty and didn't go to the doctor. And she's stage four cancer. Oh my God. So she was on the podcast to be like, if you find anything... 
go to the doctor and tell them that you need to get examined. She was like, because your body does not stop because the pandemic is going on. She was like, cancer doesn't stop because the pandemic is here. She was like, heart attacks don't stop because the pandemic is here. She was like, that's not going to stop. And they, she was like, the doctors are not going to say to you, no, don't come in because you have a lump. They're going to be like, yeah, come ahead, come straight in. Like, mm. But yeah, she does, she's stage four cancer now. So she's going to die? Well, like she's getting treatment. <clears throat> so I don't know what it's just... There's a girl I work with and her mum has cancer and she um ha- got it at the beginning of the pandemic. And like that, the doctors were like, we everything, it's like the screening wasn't available because yeah. everything was shut. I just, oh man, there's so much. And it's in her lymph nodes now. Oh, God love her, the poor thing. There's so many bad things happening. Mm. But don't be afraid to go to the doctor. Go to the doctor if you're not feeling well. Go to the doctor. Ring the doctor like I was doing. I'm like, hello, doctor. And he's like, hello, this five minute conversation cost you 60 euro. Bye bye. I was saying to one of the girls in work, was it, was I saying to one of the girls or was I saying to you? I can't remember who I was saying to. Uh, this thing of people getting their bloods done. Well, I, well, that's what I that's what I want to go to doctors for, right? But like, I have health insurance now. I want to make all the mm-hmm. use of it and benefits of it. Yeah. <clears throat> but like people uh, like my mum's age go every six months and get my bloods done and I'm like I don't know what that means and uh, should I be doing this Um, get my bloods done are you what's that I think when you get to a certain age you're supposed to I went and got my eyes tested yesterday did you pick out your glasses I did what are they like show oh, me I don't know if I like them what I do this every time you have to wear them Sarah I will uh, they're red or dead like oversized cat eye but they're Beautiful. not they're not incredibly angular they're more rounded okay and they're like a half rim of like a goldy orange okay and a tortoise shell oh it sounds um, pretty they actually when I tried them on I was like they're lovely you have to me. wear them Um, and then I got a pair of Rolf Victor Rolf yeah sunglasses nice Um, which are like a square oversized cat eye are you going to wear them I will now. Honestly, I'm starting to like be. I kill you if you don't wear them. Like, I'm making the statement on the podcast. But just the you. difference, right? So all of my other prescriptions before, I didn't necessarily need them. Okay. I had no distance or um, close-up problems. I didn't need them for reading, and I didn't need them to see far away. What they were was some more like help my eyes from getting tired. Right. But now my new now prescription is I squint so I need glasses to read things up close but only really on the computer oh sorry. um because yeah, yesterday was the first time I've ever gotten an eye test and I've gotten an eye test consistently every two years since I was 12 <gasps> excuse me and when I was 12 I needed uh corrective glasses yeah and then as time went on my eyes got better so yeah. I didn't need them anymore but I always maintained like a prescription of like Glasses that supported my eyes. Yeah. So specifically for driving, I had polarized eye gla- sunglasses, and um, because I tend to get migraines if yeah. I don't, and I'm wearing cheap sunglasses. Um, but anyway, I got. Um, yes, it was the first time I've ever had an eye test where I couldn't read something on the line. Could you not? No, I couldn't see it. I could see the end letter and the beginning letter because they were really clear. But one you of, couldn't one see of like Z. So like you can you can figure that out. Oh, geez, that was, I was either, were you sweating, were you? It was either an O or a D. And I was like, <laughs> I can't see that. And I was like, D, A, O, M, M, N, P. Did I pass? Did I pass? And she was like, is this better or worse? And I was like, I don't know. I haven't had a female optician in so many years. Really? Always get a dude. Always get Where a do dude. Where you go for your eye test? 
The Leafy Valley Snack Savers or not Leafy Valley in town? I go to Leafy Valley and Snack Savers. I go to the one in um, town. This uh, podcast is sponsored by Spec Savers. Spec Savers sponsors because I lost my Orla Kylie sunglasses and I'm devastated about it. Did you? Can't find them anywhere. I feel like maybe when I pull my room apart, they might pop up somewhere. They're but not in my house, are they? No. I don't sure. think so. Like, I don't know where they are. I rang my mum the last time before lockdown is down. My mum's, I was like, Mum, did I leave Orla Kylie? And she was like, I don't know what that is. And I was like, just go and look for a box. These little designs in it. But she was like, there's nothing here. And they're not Yvonne's. So I think I lost them. Oh, devastated they still have them huh they still have them I'm going to get them again yeah but my fear is that I'm going to go in and get them and then I'm going to pull this room apart and I'm going to find them so I'm gonna, when I get when I do up when I put my new desk in and I pull all that shit out I'm hoping they might just be like Plop. so I'm not going to get them for your birthday then no <laughs> fuck's sake <laughs> just get me whatever get me a book I don't I'm not getting you a book I'm happy with a book I'm getting you something good yeah but just get me a book oh shite sorry you're on Edinburgh um, oh, no, I me. have an idea of what I think I'm going to get you. Um, what is it? I'm not telling you. A puppy. No, it's not a puppy. Oh, okay. Um, it's more paint for your house. Please don't buy me more paint for my house. I started painting my apartment and I hate it. I hate it with every fibre of my being and I'm so glad Colin's here because he's like, right, let's go. <laughs> no. <laughs> Am I just lying Yeah, I'm like, Bri- I'm like Brian. I'm like Colin. Brian is messaging me, Brian, from work. Um, You'd be like, let's go, let's yeah, do come it. On, let's do this. Let's do this. And I'm like, no, there's too many nooks and crannies and I can't reach. I cannot reach. Like Colin's like, and I get to like there and I'm trying to get it further. I can't. I'm just getting a ladder. Yeah, but before you had the ladder, before you got the ladder, I was up in the chair and I was like, <laughs> so it wasn't good. But yeah, I hate it, but it'll be nice when it's done. I think I don't it, will, know. it might not be I don't know we'll see what happens it'd be gorgeous my hallway is going to look like a 1970s space station that's my plan I feel like your hallway is going to look like that toilet in the museum we went to in Paris yes I loved that bathroom remember it was like it was like that it was like clockwork orange it was so cool that bathroom was, I was actually looking at our pictures in Paris the other day because I'm sad because I know we're not going to get to go to Paris <laughs> We ain't going to Paris. No, we're not. It ain't happening. We're not. No. Um, I'm just reading to see if we have any housekeeping. Housekeeping. Yeah. Um, I thought I had housekeeping, but I don't. Um, a lovely lady made us posters. A lovely lady made us posters. Her name is her name. Her actual name is Phoebe. What a beautiful name! Right, she's got a great name. Her name is Phoebe. Phoebe um, Waller-Bridge. I'm not giving her second name but she is from she has a, an art studio called Twofold Print Studio and they're on Etsy under Twofold Print Studio and her work is absolutely stunning it is like it's stunning that ray gun print yes I was like that's Sarah written all over it it's gorgeous but she's made us some posters that are just so cool because they're real kind of um, they're very like it's kind of like real 1960s 70s kind of uh What's that word though? When you put the lettering, what's the word? What's the word? The comic sans. No, you know the letter when when something like what Times New Roman is or Calibri is. What's font. The, font. Jesus Christ. Jesus. Um, it's that kind of font, and it's awesome, and I love them. But uh, I won't put anything up yet, just until we get them. Yeah. So they say uh, they were the most requested thing yes. in the post request, which is yes. eighty four. Eighty four cunts. But there is a limited supply of them. Yeah, we're not getting. However. <laughs> If they do well, if people want them. We will purchase we'll more. We'll purchase more off Phoebe. Um, and also, Colin has bought a gold pen, <laughs> and he is going to sign 
all of Phoebe them. Phoebe is so cute. She was like, I left a little space at the bottom for your signatures. I was like, I mean, I what? Boat went red in the face and we're like, sorry, what? We're like, are who? Are what? Um, but but Colin, Colin immediately bought a gold Colin pen. Colin immediately went onto Amazon, <laughs> bought a gold pen. And um, was like, he's good to go. He's good to go. He also is going to hire Craig to <laughs> help him sign all of these. Um, to forge the signatures. Yeah. Uh, but thank you so much to Phoebe. And she's so sweet. And she told me uh, she got her mum listening to us. Oh, God. And her mum loves it. What? I was like, that's so funny. Because I could never imagine my mother listening to this. Well, my mum couldn't listen to this because this is therapy. Yeah. And I yeah. say a lot of things about my mum I just got a phone call no, from shall we talk about what happened in town shall we do you want to hear me get really angry <laughs> I was laughing today they were like uh, on the RTMs. I haven't read anything one of the guardy superintendents was like there was a certain kind of person scumbags 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 uh, tracksuit wearing scumbags uh, scumbags scumbags yeah uh, that's from, all that was there yep that was it yep Yep. Yep. Like that's if you're a lady from D4 who loves a bit of rough <laughs> into town uh, into town on St. Patrick's Day now apparently it's the next march so they're organising a protest on St. Patrick's Day I can't I just can't. so um, if anybody does know, doesn't know there was a protest on Saturday, Saturday yeah. uh, which was what the 26th of February I don't know if I know what date it is. 26th, yeah, I think yeah. you're right. Yeah, yeah. 26th February uh, to say... We don't want to wear masks. masks. But really what it was, was a bunch of people who were drinking and throwing fireworks at the Garda. In tracks. And, and And don't know the difference between dare and dare. Oh, I saw that. Oh my God. And then the column was telling me on the front of that t-shirt that on the back it was like RTE have sold their souls and then on the front of it was like save our children from the lizard people. So apparently they think um, Michal Martin uh, the Taoiseach is a lizard person? Is descendant of a lizard. <clears throat> now, we're all descendants from lizards. Plus he kind of does look like one so I get where they're coming from. Um, we all have little parts of our brain that yeah. are reptilian. Um, but... but there's, uh, no, there's no lizard people, friends. No. Um, but it is, it's mad to watch how much that QAnon stuff has filtered into like such a tiny country that like... I was shocked at how many fucking idiots we have. Morons. Uh, morons. Shocked. Like I knew we had a, I knew we had fucking idiots, right? Yeah. Like I've been you raised see them all by two of you them. When you see them um, all together... Like, I that's, just a, that's a lot of them I couldn't believe I was shocked that little scumbag that threw the fireworks so now I know we talk shite about the Gardaí and I'm going to talk an awful lot of shite about them today but like just did he think that no one was going to record what he was doing I don't know what he thought was going to happen and I don't know if they thought that the guards weren't going to charge yeah because they were like all those right people the right nation people were on Twitter being like if the guards attack you make sure you take videos don't let them blah 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 and I'm like you sir the guards were standing there and you fucking fired fireworks in their face yeah what were they gonna do stand there and be like ah that's grant but also the guards weren't in riot gear. no they were just normal like dressed like normal yeah. guards they had like ireland's a country where they walk around with battens like we don't have there's no guns we don't thankfully to be perfectly honest with you because like that could have things could go a lot worse but oh man what are you doing like please we just want to get out of this we want to leave what we're well, in right the thing, now like, there's a big spike coming out like please just anyway fuck them scumbags but St. Patrick's Day is going to be a nightmare a nightmare <sighs> like it's going to, I'd say it's going to be much worse than that because yes. that's going to be like a celebration as well but also if the weather stays like this I so hope the piss is rain let it piss rain we've had quite so good weather if yeah. the weather stays like this everyone will be out 
and people won't socially distance and uh, they're planning on like celebrating the like remember last St. Patrick's Day they were like let's do this for five weeks and flatten the curve Mm. when we went into lockdown Mm -hmm. so they're celebrating the anniversary of the five week lockdown (laughs) which is kind of funny what in the name of God (laughs) is going on Um, go home to your but just go home just go home and sit in your internet and do whatever you're doing just stop please because I want to get the we all need to get the fuck out of this thing I need to go on a holiday I just need to get out I'm losing my mind but anyway don't don't go into town and do that Uh, Yeah. I'm pretty nearly 120% sure that no one listens to this since this podcast is going into town no, and anti-mask protests if they're, they're, they're in the wrong place these are sound like that um, these wouldn't be doing nothing like that anyway anyhow yeah other people on the like Facebooky Facebooky were um, were saying like what episodes they were going to listen to again because we weren't I don't know I don't know how people listen to us I don't know how once. you listen to us once Um and I know I'm like, oh, you know, when we do that, it's like, oh, we don't know. I honestly don't know how. But the people, I'm not, I'm not bullshitting. Graham when I say said that. to me that someone quoted that something, someone quoted me in Facebook to be like, when she was saying the guards were shouting at the letterbox being like, doing the guard impression about. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I was like, when did I do that? <laughs> like, yeah, there's so much stuff like that that I'm like, when did we I say was that? Like, and he was like, you were saying, <clears throat> oh, did you burn that go? And I was like, <laughs> Oh, that was the John Carthy yeah, episode. And I yeah, I was yeah. like, what? When did I? I didn't do that. And then Graham was like, yeah, you did. And then I was like, oh, I could never go to court. I would outright say that I have no memory of that, Your Honour. It's like that John Mulaney sketch where they're like, if you ever have jokes read back to you in court, it just doesn't read the same. No, it just doesn't read the same. Do you want me to kill oh, that, that guy, guy for you? Um, uh, that would be what it's like for us. But yeah. Did oh, you, no. in episode 19, dated February 12th, did you say up the ra repeatedly? Yes. <laughs> so we're like, uh, <laughs> did you say, we're a joke. This is not a ra podcast. <laughs> um, someone put a picture up there out on a walk in somewhere in England and it was like, uh, up the ra, like uh, oh. graffiti. And they were like, saw this and heard Sarah Jane say <laughs> And then I wrote below, whoop the ra. Whoop the ra. Um, this is not a ra podcast. This is not a ra podcast. We are not a ra podcast. Up the not. unions. We're up, up the lot of them. <laughs> up everyone. Do um, what kids are doing. But yeah. All in all, have you been watching anything? No. I literally haven't watched anything. I watched that soft white underbelly thing on YouTube and I watched I got stuck in a rabbit hole because there's so many of them. And then I got really sad because a lot of them are very sad. So I stopped. Uh, no, but other than that, I haven't watched anything. I don't think. Have you? <coughs> Excuse me. No, I have no life. I go to work and I come home. Um, I, feel I watched one division. Uh, got. Do you think I'd enjoy it? Colin keeps telling me that I would. I'd like it. Uh, I love Catherine Hahn and I know she's in it. Yeah, I really love Catherine Hahn. Um, yeah, I, I do think I just, so I to a degree. Yeah, no, I do. It's not like anything else I've ever watched that's been made by any of those people okay. before. So that's interesting. Um. But then I don't know if you don't if you don't know the backstory. I don't know if you get it. Do you know the backstory about the two of them? That one of them's no, dead. No. One of them's dead, and she's essentially like a witch, and she's gone into like which uh, one of them's dead? Uh, uh, Paul Bettany's character. Oh, he's dead. Yeah. <coughs> um, Vision. So are they in like purgatory or something? No, she's uh, like a, a, a witch or something. Right? I don't know, and I'm the worst person to like <laughs> ask these questions to. She's a little witch. Um, she's a witch of sorts, <coughs> a like red witch or something. Graham is probably innocent to this to be like, what the fuck is wrong? You watch this show. Why don't you know this? Scarlet witch. 
Scarlet something. Scarlet, okay. All right, Scarlet for her. Scarlet for her. Uh, making a show of herself. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she has like lost her mind, taken his body and is like essentially manipulating this town and is controlling all of them to make this like, oh, like TV show. So that her reality is just like really normal. Nothing's wrong. TV show. Um, And that's not her reality. But she also is controlling all of these people. So she's like damaging all of these people. But she's doing it because she's really sad. Oh shit. So she's just going to go to therapy now. No. No, this is Marvel. Um... Uh, Maybe I will because I love Catherine Han. She's so fucking good in person recreation. Catherine Han in uh, Step Brothers. Oh my god, she's so funny. Get up, up honey boy. She's <laughs> gonna scourge you with a tiny ball and shove you up my vagina. I love her. A ball of my vagina. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's worth a watch. I okay. think it's an interesting premise. It's nothing like they've done before. It takes a while to get into it. Uh, What's it on the Disney thing? It's on a Disney Plus thing. Okay, I don't have that. Um, I, that. I had it, but I got rid of it. Um, but yeah, no, overall, I think it's it's worth watching. I watched a Britney Spears documentary. Oh, what did you think? Did you watch no, it? No, I didn't watch it. So Sorry, I watched it without you. I know you did. Uh, Considering you dumped me on Valentine's Day and didn't watch it with me, you fucking bitch. Yeah. Well, then you like went into like our spiraling turn. Yeah, it was And I was like, well, I'm just going to watch this Britney Spears thing. <laughs> <laughs> good. Um, uh, oh, it made me so that? angry. I know, that's what I think. Uh, I know. That's how I think I'm going to feel when I watch it. It's really just so angry. So and it's angry. mad when you think back of what because we remember all this happening to her and like what they were doing to that her. Did, that made me angry. But what made me angry more than anything else is what's currently happening to her with her dad. Is it? Wait, she is in an a long term receivership Converse, conversation co- conservation ship. Yeah, so she's in this. So he's like, like in charge of her. He, earnings, but, right? Yeah, right. But she he and it, the reason being being cited is that she's mentally unfit, right? Yeah. And the beginning of it is that time she had. When she clearly was that, like that girl had postpartum depression. Oh, I don't know what anybody she said. She didn't have to break, yeah. Right? So she had a full on postpartum depression, full on like n- nervous breakdown. And like, honestly, who could blame her? Absolutely not, yeah. Um, like, imagine living your, imagine going through that and then you've a paparazzi literally on your ass 24 hours. Oh, but Emma, like, if what happened to like Princess Diana and what happened to Amy Winehouse just happened to her, but she just happened to not die very true that's the only thing that's, that's the only very, difference very true, yeah. she, she lived through it like. she didn't die yeah Everyone, every other one of them has died that has happened to her. and I've never seen a male celebrity that has the same level of like interest yeah. and like lack of privacy yeah. thrown among, amongst them like I don't know how this any of this was legal I mean no, I don't and like there's one paparazzi on it and he makes me so angry and he's like, oh, she uh, she never told us to go away. Like, I thought we were friends. Oh, my God. I was like, and this is the same guy who took the picture of her when she's, like, hitting his car with the umbrella. And that's the same night that she couldn't get access to her children. So she tries to go see her children and Kevin Federline won't let her see them. No, she doesn't have, she's not supposed to have, like, access to them. Yeah. But the paparazzi follow her to the house where her kids are and she's trying to get in to see them and they're taking photos of her and he's obviously not letting her in so then she gets back in a car and drives to a garage close by and then decides to try one more time to go and get to see the kids so she rings Kevin Federline from the garage she's got her cousin driving her she can't get she goes back to the house she still can't get back in he says he's going to call the police if she doesn't leave she drives back to this garage to essentially get like diesel or petrol or something but her cousin gets out of the car and she's just sitting in a car 
under the canopy of like a gas station and the, the paparazzi are just like taking Flashing. photo after photo after photo they're not tinted windows it's just a tiny little convertible and she's like you can tell that she's just like lost like oh she God, can't get access fuck? to her children she doesn't know what's going on um at this point she's in the middle of this whole battle of being told that she's essentially mentally unfit yeah. and that her money that her finances are going to be looked after by yeah. someone else and she gets out of the car and is like just go away leave me alone yeah and um he, he they just continue to take photos of her and then she does that thing with the umbrella, umbrella and then she gets back in the car and he shows the footage of him afterwards and they're laughing like and he's like it was a big payday yeah because they were some of the pictures were selling for like a millions, millions of dollars disgusting vile putrid human beings yeah. like to watch like that's a person oh but even like before she gets into that like state right so there's an interview she does with matt lowry is that his name matt lower matt lower she is on she's pregnant with baby number two okay. this is before she's like <clears throat> had the full-blown breakdown um she is she doesn't look well yeah like she's on like what's that that's like the most watched show in america that news like a morning america show yeah her nail polish or nothing is done. Her makeup is not done. She is like heavily pregnant. Ugh. Um, She looks like she has no one around her looking after her. That's what I often think. I'm like, where were the people? That and she clearly to... looks like she doesn't look well. Like she looks like, she doesn't look like someone you'd expect to be on that show. She isn't like highly polished. Like she is like the biggest pop star in the world. She just looks completely lost. She looks so lost. And then he starts to talk to her about... Uh, the paparazzi calling her a bad parent so she says like do you see like it's you know that famous video video of her with the baby on her lap driving mm. and i just like when i was watching it i was like here's the thing right she clearly had like that girl was suffering with her mental health michael jackson was a known pedophile he hung his baby over a window yeah. social services did not take his children no. off him She's a woman. She's a woman. Yeah. Um. She didn't hang her baby over a no. thing. She isn't a known paedophile. Yeah. Um. The only thing that's happening to her is she's having a full on nervous Which mental is being health problem caused mainly by paparazzi the invasion of privacy. who are destroying her life. But yet she goes to court and is deemed to be unfit, incapable of looking after herself, cannot look after her finances. Uh, her children are taken off her. Her. At the first uh, beginning of it, her father is not set up as her uh, proprietor. Um, an outside company is, and uh, an outside solic- outside um, legal are taken in, and they and then he lobbies on the second time to become her to take over everything to take over, and then by the time they go back to essentially continue this like arrangement. He's now, there's someone else involved who are a private institution, which Brittany lobbied in the beginning. So in the very beginning, when all of this came about, she got her own solicitor and lobbied. To be like, I want these people to... I want a bank. I want a fiduciary bank. Oh, okay. And the judge said to the solicitor, the lawyer, um, she is in a right frame of mind, in my opinion, so I can't accept what you're asking and dismisses him and says but that he can like have no part of it. that's like a very logical step to make, yeah. to be like, I want a bank to yeah. look at um, Not my dad, who doesn't know me and basically abandoned me when I was a child. Yeah, and also and had filed... a raging alcoholic. Had filed for bankruptcy himself. Had very little uh, input in her life growing Where was up. her mum? Her mum seems to have just taken... A, like, was there with her, but, like... 
there just seems to have been these decisions that like I, I, it's a really complicated and they're, like they're so like now because of everything they're so removed from like the public eye yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so you never see them but anyway the most note, the most uh, uh, recent request uh, to change the conservatorship is for it to be changed to like a financial institution again. Okay. Um, but her dad and to remove her dad, but they've now added this financial institution and that. So they're both doing it. So they're both doing it. But she's she's in a mental health facility. She's not home. Oh, I thought she was at home. No, she went missing. I didn't know any of this had happened. Like, seen that whole free Britney thing on on Twitter. I didn't know. This. She was launching, like, you know, the way she did that thing in Vegas where she was like the yeah. biggest show in Vegas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was launching her second. What do you call that when you're residency? Residency, yeah. In Vegas, and it was like this massive like announcement outside, across from the Bellagio. I think it was like Paris, uh, hotel. And it, they showed the whole thing live. Like, Keelan from uh, Ellen and stuff was there. You know, that, like, guy that does the yeah. cook shows? He was there. Like, the all of, like, the media was there. It was, like, this great big show. The entire, like, Las Vegas is stripped. She was supposed to come out and announce this, like, uh, den, denom- something, domination. This domination residency. Um, and perform. And she comes out of the stage walks up, down off the stage down the steps past everybody gets into a car and leaves she's like I'm not doing it she's like I'm not doing it and so was there a reason she's or? saying like cryptically <clears throat> that she wants to take control of her own finances and she's not doing it that's fair enough because the conservatorship the thing about a conservatorship is if you're in a conservatorship you pay for it all Oh, so she's so she's paying for her dad to take to control her money, but she's also paying for the solicitors that go to court on behalf yeah. of her. I would I would have absolutely done the same thing. I mean, yeah. like, see you bye. Yeah, and so she was like, I w- I'm not going to work. She says, I'm not going to work again until I'm I'm not in this. I don't I don't believe I need to be. Well, in you know what? Fair play for um, so, it's heartbreaking. Oh, the whole like, thing made me so angry. Like, oh, and the last status to change the conservatorship is the previous one was like on the grounds of like. Um, being medically unfit okay. they changed the language in the n- new one that they put forward to be like a business venture what? so that she isn't medically unfit that this is just in her benefit and this is how she manages her business and she's like that's not true what the this f- isn't a business venture I think one of the most upsetting things for me is when I because I remember Britney Spears was huge when we were younger yeah. like, she was massive but like when she was like she was 17 and grown ass men in televised interviews asking her if she was a virgin yeah when I can right that's not that long ago could you imagine if a 17 year old girl went on a televised show and the man presenting the show asked her if she was a virgin in 2021 when I tell you his job would be gone in 20 seconds but it was totally acceptable to do that and that other prick Justin Timberlake on fucking radio shows talking about like oh yeah I fucked her you're disgusting. You and your anti-vax wife are yeah. fucking disgusting. Sabotage her. Like, completely, like, his entire career is... Disgusting. That, um, Crime Your River video is a... Oh, yeah, uh, it's directly about her cheating on him or whatever. Yeah, but it's, um... <clears throat> what do you call that? It's... I can't... I've, I don't know what's wrong with me today, but I can't think of words. Uh, when you're trying to get back at somebody... Retaliation? Yeah, it's a retaliation video. Yeah. 
Because um, the girl in it looks exactly like Britney Spears. But he's having, like, he plays out a full retaliation, yeah. like, like play by play. In the video. Like, he has sex on the bed yeah. with another girl yeah. and records it. And she like, comes out And the then ending, she comes the out of the shower and the video's on a loop. Like, after he's after watching her in the shower. After he followed her into the house without her knowing. these things happen? Like, and everyone was like, cool, yeah, yeah that's fine, let's move on with yeah. our day. Um, she was on TV with, like, um, Walters. What's that lady's name? That really famous, like... Oh, uh, Barbara Walters. Barbara Walters. Barbara. Saying, did you break his heart, but Brittany? Broke his dick. He's he's on TV saying, what did you do to him? Like, they... Uh, get that's the what fuck. they do. They demonise women. And Madonna like, and the whore, like, they have to demonise Madonna is a whore. No, yes. God! <laughs> But anyway, poor Brittany, and I, I hope she's okay, and I hope... It's, it, I tell you what, it, it, it's worth a watch um, just to understand, like, what's happening and how dangerous it is and how it's setting a precedent for a conservatorship that's never happened before. And historically, in the history of conservatorships in the United States... It's never America, happened. No one has ever been released from them. Oh, fuck. Um, so it's really difficult. And she, and they're historically done to elderly women. Yeah. Actually, a re- that new film that's out on Amazon, um, Amazon Prime, it's called I Look After You or something like that. And it has, I don't know, the blonde haired lady, but she's a fabulous actress. That entire film is based on a true story and is based on this like industry in America that goes around and profits on finding oh, it's the Rosamund Pike one. Yeah. Yeah. Finding yeah, yeah, yeah. like elderly people who are going into homes who have no next of kin and taking over their money. And becoming their conservatorship without them really knowing what's happening. Other than that, you don't need to listen to the Britney Spears or watch it now because I've told you She's told you this play is a by blow play. by blow. And do you know what's amazing about the whole thing? What? A podcast are I know. I, d- I actually found that out very recently that it was the po- the reason yeah. that it started is because of this podcast. Yeah. Which wasn't even that big initially. Like, there yeah. was just, two, I think it was two girls. Two it? girls. Two girls are talking about. I just have to take my pill. Entertain the people. Uh, which pill? The sex pill. I don't have sex. Sex pill! Sex pill. I've got my pill. period. Did you? Yeah. When did you get it? Yesterday. We're way out of sync now. Are we? Yeah. I always go out of sync in February. We're way, 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 way out of sync. Um, I I was scooting around Waterstown Park. Scooting. I was on my scooter with Lily. Oh my period! No, literally, (laughs) literally. As I went down a hill, I was like, "Oh, Uh -uh. there she is." Um, And Lily was like, "What's wrong with Mammy?" And I was like, "It's a full moon." It's a full moon. Full moon. Half moon. The eclipse. Um. Anyway, that's all of my news. I've no other oh, news. I have no news. We missed all of you. We're happy to be back. We had a week off. It's my fault. I'm sorry. Um, it's not anybody's fault. It's my fault. You Listen, put up. The people need to know. You put it's up. It's my fault. The most dramatic. Because I felt so bad. Declaration on Instagram. People like, thought we were know dead. What? People needed to know that it wasn't your fault. It's not that's anybody's what, but that's fault. That's why I needed to be like, this is not Sarah Jane's fault. This is my fault. Um, and then I put up on Twitter being like, hey, I just put up on Twitter. Yo, people. <laughs> no episode. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> no episode next week. Get, get a grip. You've um, almost like, eh, uh, sorry. Where's the episode? Oh, really? I was like, uh, where's the episode this week? Um, Sounds bad. I put up a thing on Twitter that was like, I'm going to read it now because I thought it was funny, but I think I'm gas. <laughs> so I don't know if it's true, but, um, but I, today I was talking to somebody and I literally was like cracking myself up. Cracking myself um, up. Cracking myself up. Oh, do you see that cunt Stephen Miller's doing around? I know, I saw that video, yeah. That I'm video like, of him like... Fox are actually at this point, they're just like, I feel like they're just laughing at everybody at this point. Like bringing him on to be like, oh, Joe Biden's putting kids in uh, cages. What? You started it, you motherfucker. You started it. What do you... 
What are you talking about? Yeah. He's a complete and utter Nazi anyway. Like he is a, he absolutely role plays as Adolf Hitler when he has sex with his yes, wife. absolutely. 100%. Um, I put on the Murmose Irish Twitter, yo, due to unforeseen circumstances, we won't have an episode this week. We promise to make it up to you next week by doing an about average episode. <laughs> <laughs> about yeah. just about that's all you're getting um, and I that's thought the best I was you can do shall I do my story I don't know if you want to Sorry. I think we just call it there it's are we going to announce the like <laughs> oh yes uh, or we... do we just let him do it in the ad no we'll say we're going to be um, Patreon Patreon is Pay-tron. coming Pay-tron. on Monday the 8th of March. March we're going to be launching it on Monday the 8th of March we will have it's Monday the 8th of March <laughs> we'll have more information coming up Colin's going to do a little jingle jangle put it in um, but I'm obviously sorry. we'll talk about it more on Instagram and Twitter anyway we're going to talk about it more on Instagram and Twitter but mm-hmm. it's going live on the 8th of March and I'm not taking it back because we have to do it so the 8th of March so if we say this and then it's a lie I'm going to go back and cut all this out of the no, episode and then when you guys say but you said the 8th of March I'm going to be like I don't know what you're talking about that's not in the episode um, on the 8th of March there'll be pins there'll be things there'll be things and things uh, and words and such there'll and be behind the scenes of all the horrible things that we can put into this podcast yeah. and I don't know if that would cancel us probably but you cancel no Nobody, you ain't cancelling me, motherfuckers. You know one will ever cancel Sarah Jane. No, absolutely not. Like Fucking somebody be like, we're cancelling Sarah Jane because of this, and Sarah Jane would be like, yeah, we'll add this to the list. Yeah. This is what else I said. Yeah, right? Here's what else I said. Do you want to know what some shit I wrote in my journal when I was twelve? Um, and I still have it, and I don't get embarrassed. Um, someone said to me at work today. So my manager is moving areas and we're getting a new manager, and I don't know who the new manager is. And this fella that works for me just went to me. I feel sorry for whoever that new manager is. And I was why? like, why? And he was like, you're an arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, but in a nice way. He was like, I don't know how anybody manages you. You just do what you want. <laughs> She's a wild card. And I was like, no wild card. You're like Charlie. I'm wild, a big bet. Wild card, bitches. We do the, We have the saying and thing in Amazon. <laughs> it's called the big bet. The big bet? Yeah. So like bet you're just gonna you're taking a chance on somebody. Oh, a big bet. Yeah, and I say oh, I'm the big bet, motherfucker. I like that, the big bet. Yeah, it sounds like a TV show from HBO. Yeah. The big bet with loads of unnecessary sex that no one asks for. I like those shows. No, I just can't deal with the Especially unnecessary sex. Especially if there's sex. the close-up visuals of men's no. penises. No, I hate when there's like Colin was so funny today. He was <laughs> talking to me today, and he was like, uh, "It's gonna be last night." He was a bit drunk, and uh, he kept talking about music videos, and he kept going, "And there was a Mickey in that one." <laughs> every video with a Mickey in it. And it's like, like Mickey's in music Mickey's videos. There's a Mickey in a placebo video. There's a Mickey in a, a what you call that band? That real hipstery band from ages ago. The Prodigy. Nope. What you call them? Um, uh, neutral Milk thingy. Neutral Milk Hotel. What are they called? Not a few of the last junkie in the world. Oh, Danny Warhol. Danny Warhol. Oh, there the is Mickey a Danny Warhol. And I was like, you know every video with a Mickey in it and I didn't know you were a homosexual. <laughs> back in the day when we were listening to this, these bands. And you were dating. He's like, and then today he came in and told me and did another video. He's like, it's a Mickey in that video too. What I music like, video? I can't, I'll ask him when we go back in. Um, uh, Colin, if you could just put up a list of all of the... <laughs> music videos. Can we start a podcast about Mickey Mickey's music videos? Also, would you all do me a favour because he keeps threatening me. Will you just follow him on Instagram because... Why is he threatening you with? Because into my room and he goes, you tell them to fucking follow me on Instagram. I'm like, Colin, I've said it a million times. I can't say... Maybe, don't! Maybe they go on your page, Colin, and they're like, not for me. Don't follow him. Not the content that I want. Yeah, don't follow him. Um, I tell you when they would follow you, Colin, if you put up those fucking hilarious, funny videos. Yes. Put them up. Yeah. But yeah, follow Colin on Instagram. It's don't. Me. You're not missing anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's, 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 it's Maximilian Foy. Just follow him. 
Is it Maximilian Foy? You said that and then he does say to you, that's not my oh, handle. Oh, hold on. And that's You're why right. they can't find it. They can find it. They just keep going. They go, maybe as I said, you know, they might go on your page and be like, this is not for my taste now and I'm not feeling it. I love this little table. It's Maximilian underscore Foy. M-A-X-I, then million underscore Foy. Just yes. follow him. Mickey's in music videos. Mickey's in music videos. <laughs> he- hey, you. Yes, you. Are you sick of being got at by boredom? Well, Sarah Jane and Emma know the perfect remedy for you. A subscription to the official Murder Most Irish Patreon. For only six euros a month, you can not only support the show, but binge out on exclusive weekly content. Your subscription includes personalized thank you message, access to our Patreon-exclusive MMI Drive show, bite-sized bonus material, all our show-closing songs, plus commentary tracks from me, Colin! But wait, there's more! If you sign up with the MMI Patreon, you will get an exclusive complimentary sign-up gift along with Patreon-exclusive discount codes to use at our MMI merch store. The official MMI Patreon goes live next Monday, March 8th, so tune in next week for all the information on how to sign up. Murder Most Irish Patreon for all your murder feminist needs. I'm doing the story of the murder of Mary Callanan and Sylvia Shields, which is also known as the Grange Gorman murders. Oh, this is a complicated one. It's very complicated and very I, long I, and disgusting yeah, and horrible. I'm gonna tell I tried to do this one, right? Yeah. And within the first two paragraphs <laughs> of uh, Wikipedia, I Are was like, like oh, no, Fox. There's, there's, there's turns, there's guardian competence that I've never seen levels of guardian competence. There's guardian competence, there's uh, everything you want in the story. I'm not gonna say anymore because it will give some things yeah, away. It's, it's very, um, but I do not do you know what I know about this story, but because the first two paragraphs were so <laughs> complex. I didn't read anymore. Um, so I got my information from Menzraya. God bless that woman. Episode 14. The Irish Examiner. An you should article, give her some money. I really, really should. An article by Jim Cusack in the Irish Times. Irish Independent. McGill.ie. Wikipedia. And I love McGill.ie. McGill.ie has all the stuff. I've never been on it. Like it has everything. It's so good. Like the, the articles are really well written. They're really detailed. Um, How do you look for shit on it? I usually... What's Crisis Jam? <laughs> <laughs> What's no happening? Idea. Look left, McGill. It's that magazine. Remember that magazine? No, really. My local shop used to saw it. Of course, it did. Um, but it has every like there's so there's so much information on like they'll do twenty articles in one case, so you have so much like information from the start to the finish. She sucked you being a real journalist. And their timelines are very very good. Um, and then Alan Bailey's book, The Grange Gorman Murders. Jeez, everybody's making money off this one, aren't mm-hmm. they? Connor Lally in the Irish Times um, wrote an article called Man Initially Charged at Grange Gorman Murders, a fantasist. So at 6am on March 7th, 1997, 46-year-old Anne Myrna slipped on her dressing gown or for the people who say... Uh, house coat. House coat. She didn't slip on no dressing gown. She did slip on her dressing she gown. She put on a house coat. She put on her dressing Where's gown. Where's she from? Doesn't matter. She's she from Dublin? <laughs> she put on... Her dressing gown. She said, <laughs> Where's me house coat? Yeah. Where'd they leave it last Jesus, night? <laughs> an awful chill. Jesus, an awful chill here. I have to, have to go down oh, and put, it's fucking freezing. I have to go down and put the super serve on. Where's me house coat? And where's me house, me house shoes? No, slippers. <laughs> I went downstairs to mark, make, start making breakfast for herself and her roommates, Mary Callanan and Sylvia Shields. And Mary and Sylvia, Sylvia, sorry, lived in number one Orchard View in Grange Gorman, Dublin 7. The house was a two-storey residence which provided sheltered accommodation for outpatients of St. Brendan's Psychiatric Hospital. 
The houses were situated directly from across from the hospital and were seen as a way to introduce, uh, reintroduce psychiatric patients back into their community. So it's like an assisted living assisted facility? Assisted living facility, yeah. Anne was admitted in 1996 and had been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. disorder. Mary was 61 and she entered the home in 1998 and was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. And Sylvia, who had been diagnosed with chronic schizophrenia, was a member of the home since 1980. What year is this again? <clears throat> this is 1997. God, so they've been in the houses been for a long, long time, time yeah. haven't they? Yeah. So all three women considered the house their home and became friends and enjoyed eating together and spending their free time with one another. So on the night of March 6th, Anne came home from a night of the bingo. Anne had been suffering with issues sleeping, <clears throat> so decided to listen to some music on her Walkman. And at 11.30pm, she got into bed and lay down. She got into bed, lay down, put her Walkman and in her ears and put her blanket like up, up over her head. She used to sleep with her blanket over her head, which is really sad. <sighs> a lot of trigger warnings. Uh, because she was sexually assaulted as a child, sexually abused as a child. So putting the blanket over, over her head almost made her feel calm. So she slept, this is important to know, but that's how she slept most nights. Aww. With her music in her ears and a blanket over her head. Jesus. Yeah. So it was the next morning that Anne walked downstairs to go to the kitchen. Can was, I ask a question? Of course. But it might be, either, it might be really ignorant. No, go on. But see what mental health issues, right? Mm-hmm. Like, she had borderline personality, personality disorder. disorder. Yeah. Could that have been brought on by what happened Absolutely, to her? Absolutely, yeah. A lot of, a lot, um, quite a few mental health problems can be brought on by abuse, which is like probably more so into like PTSD, um, chronic personality so disorders. So that's not like an imbalance. That's like no, that's something happened to that's caused your her, your brain to react this way, and it's almost like it's trying to protect itself. Protect yourself. Yeah. So these poor women, God love them. So, um, okay. So it was the next morning that Anne walked downstairs to go to the kitchen. It was then she noticed blood on the light switch. She rounded the corner to see broken glass on the ground. So she ran back upstairs to Sylvia's bedroom. And when she opened the door, Sylvia was lying on the ground with her nightdress pulled up to her armpits and there was blood all over her her body. So Anne was terrified and panicked and ran outside. She then ran down to number five, which was also a residence home, and told the nurse on duty what she had seen. So there was a part that I was reading where she ran out onto the road and she was like screaming and crying and people were looking at her. But because they knew that she was in that home, they didn't stop. They didn't stop because they were like, oh, maybe she's just having an episode or whatever. But that's not what was happening. So the nurse called security as she believed Anne may have been confused as to the injury Sylvia had. She thought maybe Anne was having an episode. Um, The security guards searched the house and found Sylvia's body. They then found Mary's body at the side of her bed. They called the doctor in charge and when the doctor arrived, he told the security guards he found no sign of life in the house. Both Sylvia and Mary were dead. So the Guardi were called at 6.35am. Two Garda arrived from Bridewell Garda Station. Um, so this is just from the Men's Ray podcast, which I thought was really sad. So the two guards arrived and a Garda recruit arrived with them. So this was one of his first call outs mm. ever. And he went on to tender his resignation like two weeks after seeing what he saw in the house. Oh my God. Mm, that's how bad it was. So Detective Sergeant Jerry McCarthy and Detective Sergeant Alan Bailey were called in to take control of the scene. Alan Bailey would later describe the scene and the murders as, quote, the most horrific thing I have ever seen in my life. I spent 37 years in the Gardaí, but I never, ever saw anything like that, that in all of my career. So Alan Bailey is the guy who wrote the, one of the books that I had a little read of. So I'm not going to talk about what happened. I am now going to talk about what happened to Sylvia and Mary. And it's incredibly graphic and includes mutilation and sexual assault. So if you need to skip, 
please feel free to do so. Just skip, like, keep going because I don't want to upset anybody. Just skip the whole podcast. Just go to the end. So Dr. John Harbison was called to the house to examine both Mary and Sylvia. He arrived at the scene with new state pathologist, Dr. Mary Cassidy. Yay! This was her first day on the job. Wow. And her first case. That's from the Men's Right podcast. Um, this is an awesome, <clears throat> maybe I shouldn't say this, but um, that poor guard or recruit, you think the two lads would have like walked in, checked the scene? Because this is like, yeah. this is not common in Irish. No, this is like, like one of, this is probably crimes. one of the most brutal killings that yeah. has ever happened in this um, country. You think they would have went, here, listen, yeah. leave this one out. But then the other side of it is they were probably just being like, this is maybe the whole thing of like throwing him in at the deep end. But That's there's not, the deep end and then there's that. Yeah, like, like, but like, it's not, it, like Irish crime that you come across it's really uncommon that it's going to be, it's going to be like this and I understand that you've got to be prepared to yeah, come yeah, across yeah. those types of things but like maybe Horrific. after like a couple of years on the job yeah like his first day it's one of his first cases like that's what he gets called to the poor chap um, okay so both women had been found with their nightgowns pulled up to their chest so this is from the Irish Independent it's going to describe what happened to them so Sylvia suffered stab wounds to the left side of her, of her forehead and left eyebrow and had five incisions running from the injury towards her right ear her throat had been cut by 10 stab wounds and she'd been stabbed in her right breast several times. Professor Harbison stated that death was due to shock and hemorrhaging due to multiple stab wounds to the right side of the neck and chest. She had also suffered da- damage to her genitals. The second victim, Mary Callanan, had suffered serious injuries to her face. face. Professor Harbison <clears throat> found incision wounds inflicted by a blade on the upper eyelids of both of her eyes and under her left eye. So he was like cutting her eyes. She'd also been stabbed through both cheeks. Jesus. This is disgusting. Just FYI, the next part I'm going to read. It was noted that there was a red object protruding from Mary's vagina, which was placed there after she was murdered. During the autopsy, the object was removed and found to be a carving fork. So he like... Oh my God. And Mary's clitoris had also been removed. So he like, uh, like this wasn't rage. He well, obviously this is rage, rage, but like but he actively yeah. sought to do, to do things. This. And he the, the mutilation. So what was inserted inside Mary and the gentle uh, mutilation was done after they died. So they died and then he did it. Um, as in the case of Miss Shields, Miss Callan had multiple stab wounds to the neck. She'd also been stabbed in both breasts. Several of Miss Callan's ribs were fractured and there was evidence that she'd been stabbed further after her death. So she died and he kept stabbing her. Twelve stab wounds were found in the lungs, three of which punctured the heart. Nine other stab wounds were found at the front of the heart. Professor Harbison added the death was due to shock and hemorrhaging due to multiple injuries to the head, neck and chest. It was noted that most of the mutilation that occurred to the victims was done after their deaths and that all the weapons used were from inside the household itself. Mm. So he used, you know, electric carving knives? Yeah. He used, like, the blades from electric carving knives to, to stab them. So the killer entered Anne's room as she slept and stood by her bed as there was blood from both Mary and Sylvia found in the side of Anne's met- mattress. So he went into her room. Anne slept, slept with the blankets over her head, something she did as a child due to calm herself down due to sexual assault. She did not see or hear the murderer as he stood beside her. So he came into her room? He came into her room. She was lying in the bed with the blanket over her head and her earphones in. And he stood over her bed. And the reason that they knew that is because they found blood marks on her mattress from Mary and Sylvia. So he had blood all over his body, but he stood beside her bed and he just left. He didn't do anything to her. And she never knew. Traumatised, like, that poor woman. 
So, Jesus. <clears throat> yeah. That's, that's terrible. Oh my God. Like that got me. I was like, oh, fuck me. Do, do we know why he didn't do anything? Um, he's, I'll tell you later. Okay. So Dr. Harbison described the scene and the lady's murders as, quote, utter carnage and that he had never seen anything this violent in the entirety of his career. The Guardi began investigating immediately and with urgency as there was a growing fear the perpetrator might murder again and very soon. Dr. Harbison said he believed the crimes to be sexually motivated but suggested the Guardi contact someone with more knowledge and experience of these types of crimes. So the Guardi reached out to Scotland Yard and two psychological profilers were called in from the UK and given access to the house and the Guardi's findings thus far. Dr. Carl Roberts arrived in Ireland to aid the Guardi. He stated from the outset that, quote, <clears throat> this is a pre- preliminary offender profile based on information based to date. It may be subject to change depending on the availability of new information. It should not be used alone to direct the investigation. Neither can it be considered as a piece of ed- evidence. So he was basically saying, <clears throat> this is what I have based on what you've given me, but it can change and you shouldn't base your entire investigation on this. Okay. So he was just telling them from the outside not to And I'm going to make a guess. It's the guards. It's exactly what they did. In the exact opposite <laughs> of what he told them. Yeah. <laughs> so Dr. Roberts was given access to the scene. You can lie down, dude. No, I'm okay. Be comfortable. Given access to the scene, the autopsy reports and photograph graphs, and he laid out the following regarding the pathology of who, who committed the murders. So this is from Alan Bailey's book. <clears throat> so he gave 18 points. Both crimes were the work of one culprit. Given the presence and extent of the mutilation of the genital area, this was a sexual attack. The possibility of the perpetrator being female was dismissed out of hand. Given the extent and nature of the post-mortem mutilation, it was considered likely the perpetrator suffered from violent fantasies about women. The perpetrator would lack sexual experience. The perpetrator would either be unaware of or afraid to engage in normal sexual intercourse. He would have become even more sexually aroused as he inflicted the post-mortem injuries. Given the number of exploratory and hesitation marks evident on the bodies, it was likely that this was the perpetrator's first serious offence. The perpetrator would be in his early teens to mid-twenties. The perpetrator would have poor social skills. The selection of the type of victim, in this instance, two vulnerable elderly ladies, suggested a culprit who was socially isolated and inadequate. The victims could have been known to the culprit. The culprit may reside or work near the scene. The culprit either lives alone or is still with his parents. He would have either, either, sorry, a poor or non-existent work record and academically would have been an underachiever. Although at the same time, he might be of average to high intelligence. It was likely... That last bit you just described me. <laughs> it was likely that he would have committed burglaries in the past and also would have committed acts of violence. Since the offence, he would be to have displayed minimal behavioural changes. He would feel no remorse for his actions. Lastly, and most importantly, the offender was extremely dangerous and likely to reoffend. So Alan Bailey told of how this synopsis, so this list of things, was placed in the incident room and made available to all members of the team. However, he believes that it became more of a hindrance than a help as he believes senior guardee were placing all their emphasis in these points and the investigation was not moving forward as quickly as it should have been. So the guardie did round-the-clock surveillance on number one as they believe the killer may return to the scene. However, this did not happen. They combed the house for fingerprints but found none, which led to the belief that the murderer had pre-planned this attack and came prepared. So there wasn't a single fingerprint in the house. Nothing. Alan Bailey stated that his team did extensive examinations on the house, including the reconstruction of, reconstruction of an entire broken window to discover if, he, if the perpetrator had broken it from the inside or the outside. Why? Because they were trying to figure out how he got in. And this really smart guy, like apparently this is this what he did is now used like the world over. 
the guy, they were like, oh, he broke in through the window. And one of the guys was like, no, he didn't break in through the window because the way the glass is shattered and fallen, that glass has fallen outwards. So it looks like the window was pushed out. And he like reconstructed the entire window, every single piece of broken glass. And he was able to tell them this was actually broken from the inside. It was broken from the outside because the way the glass fell. I was like, that's crazy that they were able to do that. Do you know what? Um, <coughs> I didn't need to stuck on the ground to see where most of the glass was. <laughs> but the problem was, whatever, <laughs> whatever way it broke, because if you broke it in, its glass is still going to fall out. And the guards were like, he broke in through the window. He came in through the window. And then this guy was like, no, he didn't. But like, just mad that he was able to like, literally put it all back together. Um, He's the killer. That's it. Turns out it was broken from the inside, which meant the access point to the house was not the window which they had initially believed. Why did he break it from the inside? I find out. He then went on to say that there was a disconnect, this Alan Bailey, between senior members of the team and the investigation team. Alan believed the senior members were keeping vital pieces of information to themselves, thus hindering investigation. So from the offset, there was this like... Disconnect. Disconnect between the two of them. Lack of communication. Because the senior team were like, we're the lads that are going to... Yeah, we're going to solve this this and we're going to get the glory. That's clearly what's happening. So, the Guardi began... You know why? Why? Do we know why? Because they're men. Because they're all men! So, the Guardi began... (laughs) The Guardi began their door-to-door investigation and over 260 people were interviewed by the Guardi, but none of them stood out as potential perpetrators. Over 260 people. So they did like, they interviewed like a thousand, but they like properly interviewed like 260 that they had a list where they were like, these are like the people that we pretend, but none of them. But did they have anything to go on? Like, were they in the area? No, they, well, that's what they were doing. They were like people in the area. But this list, they were trying to figure it out from this list that this guy gave them who was like, listen, this is just, you know, a jumping off point. And they were like, no, then we're just going to buy this, going to go buy this list now. Uh but then, okay, I know I'm not a guard and I know I'm not a fucking criminal, like, uh, psychologist. psychologist, but the list is like, the list is what you go to when you think you have a suspect. When you've got somebody in to be like, I wonder how many of these little things he How many traits he does he up. fit or they fit? But they didn't do that. Like, they what were, you do is you do normal yeah, criminal they were investigation. Trying to fit somebody into, into that the, fucking. Yeah, that's what they so were trying then, to do. by doing that. And like, I don't know enough about this case, right? Other than the, what I said about those first two paragraphs. But by doing that. You're going to get people with borderline mental health yeah, issues. Yeah, of course, because that's what that's what that list is. It's like they're not educated. They have trouble learning. They're immature for their age. They, they still no live at home. They have no sexual experience. So it was just like um, and bring a, a list of people that you could be like, yeah, it's one of those. But they had 260 people, but none of them were who they were looking for. So Alan Bailey stated this case took over the lives of the Gardaí involved in it, that they spent all day and night, including times when they should have been on holidays or annual leave, trying to find justice for Sylvia and Mary. Alan believed that no one in the force had ever experienced this type of violence or cruelty no, in any I've case. I've never heard of a case like that. And the need to find this murderer outweighed everything else. So they were all like, we have to find this guy. So the Guardi appealed to the general public through a televised, televised appeal and this generated massive amounts of feedback with the Guardi having to investigate each potential lead, which is every fucking Tom, Dick and Harry ringing up going, yeah, uh, I, and know, I don't lad, know. Every, anyone listening who, to this podcast who's not Irish, right? Irish people love to be involved in shite. They need to be involved in shite. Right? And we don't like saying things like, I don't know anything about that. Tell me. <laughs> They're like, no, no, I know, uh, I know a lad that knew you know, someone I know whose grandma's grand yeah. was like up the road and saw him and yeah, that's literally, yeah. and the guard said that and they had to investigate every single yeah, one Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Like, like Irish people are not the type of people who would Jesus. say things like, no, I don't know. What? Tell yeah. me more. Tell me more. They're like, no, um, no, I know. Uh, like, yeah, oh, I Grange know. Gorman, yeah, I'm familiar <laughs> with it. 
familiar with it. <laughs> my husband used to deliver milk up there. <laughs> that's literally. And he knew a joy. That's what they said. The guardian were like, it was just a Chinese whispers, tale after yes. tale after tale. And they were like, none of it was cohesive. None of it meant anything to the case. And they had to investigate every single tip that they got. So the guardian then received a tip from an informant in a community of heroin users that a man named Dean Lyons uh, had spoken of his involvement in the Grange Gorman murders. So I'm going to talk about Dean Lyons. Dean Lyons was born on April 20th, 1973 to his mother, Sheila, and father, John. He was the middle child of seven children and grew up in Tala. Dean struggled from an early age with education and learning, and it was believed he had a moderate general learning difficulty. Dean attended, now I'm going to butcher this because I don't, School Agnusa, Agnusa, Agnusa? Let me see. Ingusa, Ingusa? That's Angus. Angusa? Angusa? Angusa. Ah, who cares? Um, I'll ask Craig. Uh, National school. And when a psychologist was brought to the school, it was discovered that Dean had an IQ of 70. So, uh, Google this. So, in the past, an IQ score below 70 was considered a benchmark benchmark for an intellectual disability characterised by significant cognitive impairments. However, nowadays, so now, an IQ of 70 is considered a borderline mental disability. So, back then, if you were 70 or under, it was like this person is... They're, there's no hope basically they've got a massive mental disability but now it's like it's borderline they can still function they still have normal lives but back then it was like as soon as you hit 70 or under you were like in a special oh, school okay. so Dean was moved to St. Graham has an IQ of 62 <laughs> or Graham <laughs> Dean was then moved to St. Joseph's special school in Tala I love that it's called special school uh, is it? literally that's the name of it St. Joseph's special school in Tala <laughs> That's what it was called. Oh, yeah. Jesus, the 1990s, which served the needs of children with learning disabilities. <clears throat> Dean's teachers described him as kind and affable and that he was actually brighter than most others in the school because he was. Hmm. So Connor Lally in his Irish Times article writes that one school report stated, quote, the teachers remember him loving to be noticed and not really worrying whether the notice was for good things or bad, or bad things as long as he got attention, end quote. So Dean. What happens if he's six brothers and sisters? Exactly. Dean was known for telling lies. On one occasion, feigning a spinal injury, um, and persisted with this until he reached the hospital, where he jumped off the stretcher. He also admitted to starting a fire in his home, though it emerged a year later he had not done it. He then took full responsibility for the breaking of a window at the school, though it turned out he had not been involved at all. So one of Dean's friends was caught shoplifting and in order to get her out of trouble, Lyons talked to a store detective and convinced him he was responsible. Once the CCTV footage was reviewed, the store realised Dean was not the culprit. So he, God bless him. So after finishing his education, Dean was unable to hold down a job and by 1997, of course, the typical Dublin story in this, at this time, he'd begun to use heroin regularly. This led to him moving out of his family home and becoming homeless. Now, even saying that, he's actually had a really good relationship with his family and would still go back to the house and they'd feed him and he'd get a change of clothes. But they were like, you can't stay here. They're like, you're just too, like, you're too. You're on the spoons. So Dean ended up living in derelict houses in the inner city. So by 1997, I know, Dean only had one conviction, which was for burglary burglary in 1993, and he received a jail jail term of six months. Now, a jail term of six months? Although Dean only had one conviction, he had regularly been involved in crime, which involves stealing cars and people's belongings whilst holding bloody syringes against them as a weapon. Oh, Jesus. Now, he never hurt anybody and he never physically attacked anybody, but he did go around putting bloody syringes to the next baby. Oh, Jesus. Give me your shit, you know what I mean? But then again... 
that drug seems to be like I need this drug and I'm going to do anything to get this drug. Do you know what I mean? So um, on July 26, 1997, the Guardi decided to interview Dean Lyons under the suspicion of the murder of Miller, uh, Mary and Why? So this one guy was like, uh, Dean Lyons said he was involved in this. And they were like, okay. So this interview was done on the basis of an interview they did with a convict in Mount Joy. The prisoner told the Guardi that Dean admitted to him and three other people in the prison that he and another man had carried out the attacks. When the Guardi interviewed the other, t- the two other men mentioned by the prisoners, so the other two guys he had mentioned, they told the Guardi that Dean never admitted to anything of the sort and they didn't know what they were talking about. The Guardi then returned to the prisoner with this information. He stated he had made the whole thing up. However, he heard his girlfriend had told some other addicts around the city that Dean had admitted to carrying out the murders. So they went and spoke to the girlfriend and she also denied this. She was like, I never said that. So the Guardi still tracked Dean down Why? to a hospital a hostel in town because they wanted to get somebody for this they didn't care who it was they didn't care if it was a vulnerable person they wanted to get someone so Dean gave the guardie his fingerprints and was help, really helpful to the guardie he told him that he did not remember where he Why? was his fingerprints would have been on file I know but they just been finger- arrested previously they just fingerprint them fucking lazy guards <laughs> he told them he did not remember where he was on the night of Mary and Sylvia's murder you'd stop fucking dancing to that Jerusalem song <laughs> Dean then admitted to, to the guardie he had right so they brought him in they talked to him and they were like where were you in the night of this murder and he was like I don't remember I was on a lot of heroin I don't have any idea and then they started talking about the murders in Grange Gorman and they were like this is why we're interviewing you so after two hours uh, Dean broke down and admitted to the guardie that he had quote killed the two old ladies and I am sorry so he just admitted to it the guardie cautioned Dean immediately they were like You've said this now, so we have to caution you. And he cried as they arrested him. What? What? Okay. So Dean's parents, he called his parents. Um, They came down to the station straight away. They spoke to the guardie and told them they did not believe Dean had committed the murders and that he was known to lie or make things up. Dean's brother told the guardie that they would have, quote, egg on their face over this. Okay. So it seems these warnings from Dean's family should have been taken seriously. But they weren't. No. As during a videotaped interview, a number of inaccuracies became apparent. Dean made quite a few false um, assertions that should have indicated to the guardie that he was not the murderer or in the house at the time of the murder. Dean claimed to atta- have attacked the women in various parts of the, of the houses to where their bodies were actually found. So he was like, oh, I attacked her in the kitchen. And they were like, but she was found upstairs. In her bedroom. And he was like, oh yeah, no, sorry, I attacked her in the bedroom. So he also claimed to use a steak knife when there were in fact five weapons used and none of them were a steak knife. He claimed to have killed Sylvia first and when forensic evidence proved that Mary was in fact murdered first. He backtracked and was like, I killed Mary first. So, this is very long, I'm sorry. No, it's, I'm really, I'm, I'm in, I'm really I didn't realise how long this was. Oh, Oh, Jesus. So, from the lovely McGill.ie. McGill.ie. Jesus, I tell you what. So, Crucially, he also claimed he had a girlfriend who was pregnant with his child. So he wasn't sexually inept. Wait, hear this though. When the girl was eventually tracked down, she was not pregnant and had never been in a relationship with him. Okay, fair play. Another woman he claimed to have met after the murder, whom he had said was a uh, sorry, sex worker in nearby Ben Burb Street, turned out to be an old school friend and neighbour from Tala, whom he had met on, on the occasion he claimed he had claimed about, and who was never a sex worker. So he was okay. just making up all this stuff. Like all he right. was going out in a fucking out, limb here. Out there. 
Dean also claimed... Although Ben Burb Street is where you get them. It's where you get them. Dean also claimed there were no lights on in the house when he broke in to steal money for drugs. But the surviving resident and told Gardy without equivocation that there was always a light on in the residence. Because they're all... Yeah, yeah. they're in fucking assisted living. Yeah. Dean said there was money sticking... Well, there's lights on in my house and there's no assisted living there. I turn on the light in the hallway but nobody can see it anymore. Dean said that there was money sticking out of the carpet and that one of the victims wore a religious medal, both of which were false. Money sticking out of the carpet. He was carpet. like, oh, I thought there was money sticking out of the carpet and I took the money and uh, the guard spoke to Anne and she was like, there's no money sticking out of the carpet. And she was like, and neither Mary or Sylvia wore miraculous medals around her neck. She was like, no, I'm, she's like, I live with them every day. None of them. Jesus. So the guardy were going to this woman being like, is any of this true? And she was like, no. And the guards were like, grand, we'll back we go and arrest we'll them then. We'll on, so. Yeah. Dean's father told the guardie that yes, he would have been capable of stealing, but in no way could he have carried out the horrific mutilation and murder of these women. Dean told the guardie two versions of the story over separate interviews, seemingly confused as to what had actually happened. So they interviewed him for four hours, told him one story, came back, interviewed him for two hours, told a totally, totally different, different story. story. He said he could not remember specific details about the house due to the amount of heroin he was on. So during the second interview, he told Gardy he had broken into the house through a window in the kitchen, even though the Gardy knew this window had been broken from the inside. So they knew this. They knew the window wasn't the, how he got in. He then told Gardy he had not, in fact, used a steak knife as previously mentioned, but that he used electric carving knives and a carving fork. Because he read it in the newspaper. These were the actual weapons used. He told the Gardy he stabbed both women, women and, become, and had become aroused when he killed them. So what's funny about this is, he was brought to the station where these points were on, were on a wall and he was listening like his mother said about him that he listened to everything and he picked up on everything because people thought he was really stupid but he wasn't he was in a station where all these guardies were walking around talking about what happened to these women uh-huh. and then he goes back into the second view interview and he has all this information he didn't have from the, the first, first one and they didn't think that that was sus so well now the senior guardie didn't think it was sus. The junior guardie did. Ah. Yeah. The next day, the guardie went back to interview the senior Dean. senior guardie are trying to make their career. Yep. The next day, the guardie went back to interview Dean as they believed he had been lying due to the inconsistencies in two accounts of what happened. When the guardie told Dean this, he became incredibly irate and told the guardie he wanted to make another statement. He told the guardie he was guilty. The guardie then arrested Dean and brought him to the district court to be charged. So when they said to him, we don't believe this, he got really mad and was like, I did this. But it was because... He was reacting because it was like somebody was telling him he was a liar. It wasn't even, it wasn't about the lie. Mm. It was like somebody is telling me a liar, so I'm not a liar. Even like when I mentioned earlier when his friend was caught shoplifting and he was like, no, I did it. Mm. You know, that way he's yeah. just got a poor job. Uh, despite the concerns of Jude, Junior Guardy, Alan Bailey and Dominic Cox, um, who described in lines as a quote, Walter Mitty type, senior officers believe there was sufficient ep- evidence for a murder charge. So from McGill, i.e. The jun- was there DNA on the scene? The, it was 1996. So it was like oh, sorry. no DNA evidence. So the junior guardie told, uh, were told by Chief Superintendent Cormac Gordon that their differences, so they believed that he didn't do it, were undermining the investigation. While Chief Superintendent Sean Cammon reminded them that Lyons had confessed on the video in writing and to his mother when he committed the heinous crime. What more do you want? Asked Cammon. So the Chief Superintendents were like, stop arguing you're causing trouble this is it's what he, he's done what he's done you're just trying to make things difficult for everybody and they were like fucking he's making no. us up um so dean Lyons was brought to arbor hill oh my god yeah where the guardie believed he would be safer 
because there's all murders in there Dean began speaking to other inmates about the crime telling them that there was another person involved in the crime who had mutilated the bodies so now he went from I did this to to I I didn't do anything I took the money and he killed them and mutilated them Gardy looked into this and found that the names Dean mentioned did not match up with anything in the case so it was disregarded by the Gardy. They were like none of these men were they all have alibis they were nowhere near where you're talking about. So he's blaming like other like he was like I, I broke in and I stole the money but somebody else murdered him. So Dean's solicitor Gareth Sheehan spoke to Dr. Charles Smith the director of the Central Mental Hospital in Dundrum and asked him to interview Dean. Dr. Smith travelled to Arbor Hill and upon speaking to Dean told Mr. Sheehan that he, that he believed Dean was lying and none of his confessions were true, describing Dean as a fantasist. Mr. Sheehan also had a forensic psychologist interview Dean and he described Dean as, quote, very, a very suggestible fantasist and had gleaned information about the Grange Gorman murders when being questioned about them. Mm. He also said Dean was found to be in the top 5% of the general population in terms of being suggestible. So me when I see ads for Coca-Cola, <laughs> like Yvonne when she sees an ad for any sort of uh, kitchen product. Yeah, I like I need that. <laughs> I'm like whenever I see an ad for like anything with cheese on it. Oh, I get that. Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah. Whenever they do the ads and the cheese and they lift something and the cheese goes. Oh my god, Jason! Yeah, like cheese. I'm super suggestible. <laughs> I'm not going to admit to a murder. No, of course not. But, but like this poor chap was. In the top 5%. Top 5%. And the doctor that interviewed them actually created this uh, Chart. concept of how suggestible people are. And he was like, this chap is in the top 5% after interviewing him. So the doctor also pointed out that... This d- chap never had a chance. Never had a chance. The doctor also pointed out that Dean was in heroin, with- heroin withdrawal at the time of his arrest. So would say anything. And that Gardy would not give him methadone until he had spoken to them. Oh! <gasps> The DPP also assessed Dean and agreed with the two previous doctors' assertions that Dean was completely unreliable as a witness. They were held medication. He could have died. Yeah. And that his eagerness to please would lead him to say any to say saying whatever needed to be said to make others happy. So they were like, he's a massive people pleaser. And he needs drugs. And he needs drugs. He's on fucking heroin. Mm. <coughs> Sorry. So as I mentioned previously. Junior Gardy had already brought their concerns to see Senior Gardy regarding Dean and now they believed and how they believed he wasn't the murder. And they were told they were creating issues and making things difficult for their team and the Irish judicial system. So this is once again for Miguel. God bless Miguel. So when consist, sorry, Assistant Commissioner James McHugh uh, reviewed the case, he asked the senior officers whether they recalled the reservations expressed by Dominic Cox and Alan Bailey. About the cre- credibility of lines. I'm so when so, they were aware, they would be made They were like, did, they went to the senior guardian and were like, did you know that the junior guardian were saying this guy is not credible? And they were like, no. So Cameron no. Gordon and Chief Superintendent John Gallagher and Chief Superintendent, now Assistant Commissioner Richard Kelly, told McHugh they could not recall hearing such concerns. Even though a number of other personnel described had they heard the reservations during case conferences at other times during the investigation. One of them's a commissioner? He was then, became then, the assistant commissioner. I was like, no, we didn't, I don't know what you're talking about. We never heard that. So, we're going to stop there. I'm going to go on to something else. So, this is a good story. It is. Mark Nash was born in Ballina, County Mayo in 1973. And his parents moved to Huddersfield in the UK in 1974. He was a troubled teen, including being arrested for attacking a 15-year-old girl in the street, punching and kicking her and trying to pull off her underwear because she told him to fuck off when he tried to kiss her. 
until some passers-by stopped, like they intervened and stopped. Nash had a massive anger problem and when he was 18, his mother kicked him out of the house because he told her he was going to, quote, fucking kill her. Okay. So in October 1996, Nash was arrested for dealing drugs and when he was admitted on bail, he fled the country and went to Ireland with his then-girlfriend and their baby. So, that's Mark Nash. Dude has a kid. This dude has two kids. So Catherine and Carl Doyle moved to the countryside in early 1996. They moved to a cottage in lovely County Roscommon. On the weekend of August 15th to 17th, 1997, Catherine's younger sister, Sarah Jane. Beautiful name. Had decided to come for a visit with her new partner, Mark Nash. Mm. Their baby, because they had another baby. Sarah Jane (laughs) makes ill-informed decisions. And Mark's 11-month-old son. So the two of them had moved into an apartment on Prussia Street. They constantly fought and their neighbours spoke of hearing the rows like 24-7. Like my current neighbours. The neighbours also told a story of Mark throwing a drawer full of his own feces out the window. Sorry, what? Drawer full of his own shit. He was shitting into a drawer. Shitting into a drawer. Telltale sign. Telltale sign. Individual yeah. shitting in things. Anything to do with boo, shit, lads. Boo. Boo. So Mar- Someone asking shit on your chest? That's not a fetish. Get out of the house. Get out of the house. Leave. Leave. Get out of the house. He has some serious issues yeah. or she has some serious Put issues. Put a plug up there and run. Like. So Mark was aggressive and abusive and was abusive to not only Sarah Jane. Their babies. Uh, no. But he began being ver- verbally abusive to Sarah Jane's family upon meeting them. So this is the first time meeting these people. The weekend that Mark and Sarah Jane visited, they all sat around having some food and drinks. He then told Sarah Jane's family he felt unwell and went upstairs to go to the bathroom. As Sarah Jane and Catherine, so they had their two babies and Catherine and Carl had three children. So they were like, right, we better figure out where we're going to get the kids to sleep tonight. So as Sarah Jane and Catherine walked upstairs, they were met with Mark with a deranged look on his face carrying a hammer. Oh. We hit Sarah Jane into the back of the head with a hammer and then he decided to start attacking Catherine with the hammer as well so the two girls were trying to protect each other so they were like standing in the way of each other and he was just like swinging the hammer so he swung and hit hit Sarah Jane and she fell and she crawled down the stairs to go to Carl who was her brother-in-law to try and wake him up to be like please come and help which she realised he'd been like stabbed to death <gasps> on the couch so he was dead so Mark then beat Catherine over and over on her head this is I don't know how to trigger one for this. This is horrible. So just if you want to skip this part, please do. Catherine's little boy was awake in his bed and witnessed the entire thing. (sighs) Sarah Jane tried to wake Carl, but then she realised he had been stabbed to death. Sarah Jane then ran outside and tried to hide in like the grass because they were in the countryside. And Mark was like in at the door screaming her name. So Sarah Jane, what she did is she got in her hand, her belly and like snake walked over to her neighbour's house. And he was like out in the garden screaming her name with like a knife. Uh, so she got to her neighbour's house, told the neighbours what were happening. And she was like, I have to get back to the house because my children are in the house. And the neighbours rang the guardie. So the guardie got there and they found Catherine's body in the kitchen. So Catherine obviously hadn't been dead. She got downstairs, but she died in the kitchen. And Carl's body on the sofa and both were dead. Now all the children were alive and okay upstairs. So Gardy searched for Mark and on Sunday they find him, found him cycling on the main road in Galway. Cycling? Cycling, he was on a bike. They shout, so he got from Roscommon to Galway. So they shouted at him to stop and he ran and the Gardy gave chase and he ran into this woman's fucking house 
and was like had the woman held hostage and only the son came da- came downstairs and like jumped him and knocked him out into the ground. So they finally arrested Nash and when they brought him to the station, he admitted immediately to killing Catherine and Carl. He was like, I did it. Like, I killed them. Then he admitted to killing two women a few months previously in Grange Gorman. Out of nowhere, just went to the guards. A couple of months ago, I killed two old ladies in the house in Grange Gorman. Nash gave a statement saying he had been drinking on the nights of the on the night of the, the murder in Grange Gorman, and on his way home he broke in and murdered the two women. He said he wasn't in the right state of mind and he did not know why he did it. Bullshit. He also mentioned that he'd stood at the side of Anne's bed and saw her asleep with her headphones in, and he came to his senses and left the house without harming her. He told the guardy that he wore stockings over his hands, so this is why the guardy couldn't find fingerprints. So he covered his hands. Because yeah, like he wasn't in, he wasn't drunk, Emma. He wasn't. He knew what he was doing. He knew like this man killed those two people in the house where his children were asleep in bed, and then is trying to tell them that these other two people that he killed was just like a freak thing. I don't know what I was doing. Like you knew exactly what you were doing. So Nash was able to give detailed descriptions of not only what he had done to the two victims, but of the layout of the house. In his statement, Nash mentioned at least two pieces of information about the case only known to the guardy, so the public weren't aware of it. Nash said about the murders, quote, this is his statement. About three months ago, I was walking home and I stabbed two women in their sleep. My mind was disturbed at the time. You have to understand that. I have had this memo read over to me and it is correct. I cannot explain my mind at the time, but everything seemed to turn black. I lost control and decided to break into a house. I went in a side entrance to the back of the house. So that's how he got in, not through the window. Nash also gave all the clothes he had worn that night to the guardie and told him there was a jacket in his wardrobe in Prussia Street that he had worn and they could collect that too. So at this time, Dean Lyons was still in jail, having also admitted to the killings in Grange Gorman, awaiting his trial. So two men had admitted to it. Because of this, an inquiry was launched by the DPP. Yeah, because guards are shy. Yeah. As a result of Nash's arrest and confession and the reports from various psychologists who had interviewed Dean and who had interviewed Dean. In April 1998, the charge of murder against Dean Lyons had, was dropped. He had been in prison on remand for nine months. Did he get clean while he was in prison? Oh. Nash then decided, because he found out there was somebody else in jail for to this. retract. Retracted his statement and admission of guilt. He said he felt pressured into giving the guardy the information they wanted and due to overwhelming stress, he told them he had murdered the two women in Grange Gorman. So, <clears throat> obviously he had murdered Carl and Catherine and they knew that. Yeah. So Nash was still in prison for the murders of Carl and Catherine Doyle and in December 1999, the Gardaí arrived at Arbor Hill to inform him that he was being charged with the murders of Mary Callanan and Sylvia Shields. So, because obviously they let, they released Dean Lyons. So in the year 2000, the Gardaí travelled to England to speak to Dean Lyons. Dean had moved to the UK after being released from prison and the Gardaí hoped they could get him to take the stand to explain why he had lied about the murders in the hopes that the jury could understand his point of view and still acknowledge that Nash murdered the women. They were like, if you come and talk and just say, this is why I did it. I'm sick. I don't know what I was thinking. Like, I have all these problems. I have all these issues. People were like, okay, we understand why we did it and we definitely think this other guy did it as opposed to them going, well, two people are saying they did it. So who do we believe? That was their kind of hope. And they were like, Mm. and he was willing to do that after everything they fucking put him through. Um, this is horrible. So on September 12, 2000, just four days after the guardie had visit, visited Dean initially to ask him for his help, Dean was found dead from a heroin overdose on his bed in his flat 
Mm. He's 27 years old. Oh. Poor chap. So the families of Mary and Sylvia were now completely in the dark as to what had actually happened to their beloved family members because they were told this guy did it. And then... 19 months later, they're like, oh, he didn't do it. And this is the other guy, but we don't know if this we can get him. The fucking police, that's the guards. Yeah. That's like, that's not Dean Lyons' no, fault. not at all. Like, the chap was sick. Yeah. It's not his fault. Like, like, if anything, he was... Ugh, I don't even know, man. It's so fucked up. So fucked um, up. Like I, like, I get that we're a tiny country, right? And these crimes don't happen that often. So you have guards that are, like, in underqualified and not really capable and inept of like yes. dealing with these yes. types of like situations but like fucking criminology 101 yeah. is that when you have a serious crime that media attention is heavily focused on there will be people who will call yes, and say and I, did say it. I did it yeah it happens constantly yeah and that's not and not only that they had they got the help of people from the UK to come over and like help them and they still managed to fuck it up this badly and like then on top of that you've you've gotten a person who has unfortunately that disorder right so is like suggestible as you say um, thinks that the best thing to do in these situations to get the attention that he deeply requires is to lie but also, he's a heroin he's addict. A heroin addict. And you've decided not to give him his methadone. And not only that, he's a heroin addict and he has all these issues and stuff. And none of his story lines Matches up. Matches up. Nothing. Like, so because Nash had now retracted his confession and Dean Lyons was deceased, Nash could not be convicted of the Grange Gorman murders. What? What? So Nash then requested to be moved to an English prison, but the Guardi opposed this as they believed it would make it more difficult to convict Nash in the hopes of new DNA advancements. So this is like years. This is going through years and years and years. So they kept thinking, right, if the DNA kind of gets a bit easier and a bit better and we're like able to find out more information, if he's in an English prison, it's going to be much more difficult to convict him due to like judicial laws and stuff. So they wanted to keep him in Ireland and they did. Um, so in July 2009... 2009, there was a major breakthrough with the case. The black velvet jacket that Nash had told the guardie that they could take became his downfall. Remember, he was like, this mm. jacket on Thursday Street. DNA from both Mary and Sylvia was found on the jacket and Nash was officially charged with the murders of both women. Fucking dirty scumbag. Yeah. So on October 9th, 2009, Nash was brought to the district court. He didn't respond to any of the charges and returned to Arbor Hill, so he didn't say anything. So on the 15th of January, so from 2009... The 15th of January 2015. We're great, aren't we? The, We're trial, great bunch bega- of lads. the trial began in front of a jury of seven men and five women. The trial lasted 50 days, and on Monday, 23rd of April, the jury returned a verdict of guilty on both counts of murder. Nash remained completely unmoved throughout the trial and did not react when the verdict was read. Sylvia Shields' sister read an impact statement at the trial. So, this is from Alison O'Reardon's article in the journal.ie. So, quote, described as a peace-loving, gentle and sincere sincere person, the court heard Sylvia Shields was never violent and lived a quiet life. She had been a civil servant for 20 years and worked in the valuation office as a draftsman and took early retirement. Sylvia Shields was educated in Loretto Abbey, Dalkey and Loretto Convent, Kilkenny. Described as well-read and loved music, she played chess and was well-informed of politics and everyday affairs. So this is her sister, Suzanne Nolan, said this. Her life was as valuable to, to her as each person's is to them. I often talk about her to my grandchildren, but they will never know her, although some of them are very like her. This is such a sad loss, as it is also a constant reminder of what happened to her. Nothing can ever change that. 
So for me, there is no joy, only sadness and loss. She was my only sister, my younger sister. For me, it's taken all my reserves of strength to attend this trial. I was 63 when the murders committed. I'm now 81. Jesus. The impact on my life uh, of the most horrific and savage murders is massive and it continues to affect me and my health. It also affects all of my children and my family as they try to support me. Sylvia and Mary's lives were taken from them while they slept in their beds. They had mental health issues and were very vulnerable women. They were completely innocent. They played no part in what happened to them. They had, a, they had a human right for their lives not to be taken from them. Nothing or no one can undo what has been done. I can forgive the sinner, not the sin. It can never be forgotten. Hmm. So Nash was handed down further two life sentences for the murder of Sylvia and Mary. He had already been given two life sentences for, sentences for the murders of Catherine and Carl Doyle. So he's going to die in prison. By the time Nash was finally convicted, it had been 18 years since the brutal murder of Mary and Sylvia. Oh my God. And that is the story of the Grange Gorman murders. And he has been trying his absolute utmost to get out of this because he keeps saying there was too much of a time lapse between when the crimes were committed and when he was arrested for them. Like this is his case and his like defence team are trying to push this forward. Why is his uh, defence team taking it up? And every time they bring it to the state, the state's like, no, he did it. His DNA. And they were like, here's what their argument was. Oh, we kind of think that maybe the jacket was kept in the same um, room as Mary and Sylvia's stuff in, in the police, like the police station. And the DNA could have just like crossed over. This was their argument. And the, any jury and judge they've gone to has been like, no. He's staying in jail. He can rot in Arbor Hill. So yeah, he got four consecutive life sentences. So he's going to die in jail. What? Oh. I know. I was reading it today and I was like, I don't understand any of this. Why? Um... And the worst thing about the whole thing is that everybody who has died in this have been like the most vulnerable members of society. Yeah. The most vulnerable. Like Dean Lyons was so vulnerable. Like... He was so, he was sick. He was um, on a, a drug that ruins and destroys your life and your family's life. Those two people as well and fucking... Catherine and Carl, yeah. Like her seven-year-old boy watched his mother be murdered with a fucking hammer. The damage this motherfucker has done to people and then has the audacity to try and act like he didn't fucking do it. Just own up to your bullshit, man. Just own up to what you did. Also, just like... And then he wrote letters to Sarah Jane when he was in prison. What? Like, I love you. And uh, it was just a dark moment. And I really love you. And then kept this threatening to commit suicide thing. He wrote Do tons of suicide letters. Do us all a favour. And everybody, and the police that work in, or the state, the guards that work in Arbor Hill was like, he's not going to fucking commit suicide. This is just him trying to get attention. Like, But that chap, poor Dean Lyons, got out of prison. And then like, he's dead six months later. This poor From family. a fucking heroin overdose. Like, it's absolutely horrible. You did a good... That was... I There's so much about that I didn't know. Yeah, like, I... I didn't honestly, know. I knew the ins and outs of it, but I didn't... Re- and I actually didn't know about the mutilation. I wasn't fully aware... I knew... I remember... Because my mutilation. parents read that rag, the star. Oh, yeah. And, like, that's they all they focused on. They love that shit, yeah. That's, like, all they focused on. Just the idea of him inserting a carving fork inside a person. Why? Why did you... Why? Like, and I couldn't find... Like a, like a time... I, I, just, I just couldn't find where they said to him, why did you do this? And an answer... And I know we don't need an answer, but I was like, what part of... And also, 
I've read a couple of things where people were saying he's 100% a serial killer. They were like, this man is a serial killer. And they were like, "We've he's been stopped because the way he killed, oh, also the way he killed Carl and Catherine was just like that. Like he just switched and started murdering and stabbing. But there was this very brief thing I read in an article, I'm not sure, I think it was the Irish Times, where Catherine was found in the kitchen. She was stabbed in the, in the hallway, on the stairs. She was found in the kitchen and her legs were spread. Now, I couldn't find if he had done anything okay. to her in any of the articles and maybe it was redacted or not. Well, maybe... But just for someone to mention, they were like, her legs were spread wide apart. I was like, what did he do to her? Well, maybe he he had intention. Yeah, and then she, and Sarah Jane ran out of the house. And Sarah Jane's and he out of the house, her. and he's trying to get her. Yeah, so I think that that's maybe God. That's terrifying to be in the grass outside, yeah, like in an, the country, yeah. in the dark. She said she could hear him. He was like screaming at him, and she could hear her children upstairs like screaming. And she was like, "I can't go back into that house because he's going to kill me." But I need to get my neighbors because my neighbors will f- will call the guards and. Would like imagine being like my babies are in there. How traumatized! I can't. What do I do? And she's crawling on her belly in the fucking grass in the freezing cold in Roscommon. But it's not odd that he just took out the man. Yeah, man fell asleep and he silently he's, went over yeah, and stabbed just him. Just stabbed him, and nobody knew. What nobody happened. knew. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. It was only when she went downstairs and was like so shaking it was him. Just women. He was. Yeah, he hated women. And also, remember that list of stuff that this forensic yeah. psychologist gave Alan Bailey his book that I read read four chapters from me. He said that Dean Lyons hit 11 of those things on the list and Mark Nash only hit four. Mm. So he was like, they were grateful for what those people did and this forensic psychologist did and the information they gave him, but they were like, if you put Dean Lyons and Mark Nash in a room and put that list in front of them, you'd pick Dean Lyons. Well, that's the thing, because like even when you were, when you were reading out the profile of it, serial killers don't match that. No. Serial killers tend to hold down a job uh, it depends on there the are type a lot of them, of a lot of them are functioning yeah. yeah but they tend to hold on a job they tend to have some form of like a family and morality. so many of them are married with kids they tend to um, be uh, like the sexual gratification that they're getting um, they tend to still have a sex life yeah and he did um, he did he came to England Ireland with a girl that he was seeing they broke up he had a baby with her and then he met Sarah Jane and within like six months they had another fucking baby mm. so he, his but he but like that assault of that young girl in the street in Huddersfield when she was 15 like that's that's, that's the start of something dark and bad like yeah but uh, yeah I apologise it was very graphic and I'm sorry if I've said anybody I didn't mean to upset anybody I just thought it was a story of absolute vulnerability being completely exploited and how horrible it was. So, and, and as they usual, the old guardie do a cracking job, cracking job. But they knocked all those houses, those Grange Gorman houses. A couple of months afterwards, they just knocked them all because they were afraid it would become some macabre point for people to go to. Do you know what I mean? So they knocked all the houses. And they're gone. So. Mm. Like a macar, like for like people, for people who are to into be like, it. yes. Oh my god, we don't have that many people in fucking Ireland. But like, that's what they were afraid. But I can get it where they were like, would you, would you live in the house? If it was going for cheap, <laughs> have you seen the price of houses in Dublin? It's <laughs> right, Great Gorman as well, <laughs> right beside Stony Batter. But um, Great Gorman's very expensive. Yes, yeah. But um, no, not, I yeah, wouldn't. No, they I knocked wouldn't. all the houses because they were. But like, like mm, there's lots of houses like there's. This. But like they've rebuilt on the grounds. Like there's houses there now, but they've knocked the actual houses that were there. Like they're gone. Um, 
But Grange, like, Stony Bad or Grange Gormandall, they're all becoming gentrified now anyway, so. Like, that's a terrifying story. Absolutely that frightening. That poor woman and him in the room. Anne, him like, in the room. I, I think, won't sleep tonight yeah, no, now. I keep thinking of Anne because be for all the shit she went through as a kid. And then she goes to this and house. And then this and happens it's her to her. Haven. Yeah. And her friends are and, like, there. And like she'd been out with a bingo a that life. night and won money and went to the chipper and came back and was like, I brought, I went into Sylvia's room and be like, do you want some food? And Sylvia was like, no, no, I'm grand. I don't want anything. And then just got into bed, put, she was like, I was having trouble sleeping, put her earphones in, her blanket over her head and went to sleep and thought everything is fine. And then we were two friends. Mutilated. Like Jesus. not just like oh Sylvia had a heart attack on the on the ground, fucking destroyed like and then having to answer all these questions from the guardy and being told someone's been arrested for it and then finding out that person actually it's didn't do room. it. But then also finding that they were in your room, they were in your room, your bed. standing over your bed. Like, I heard this terrifying story and oh. it's absolute secondhand information. Oh, I love secondhand information. Um, because we're Irish as we were just saying yeah right absolutely I'm going to tell you a story now I don't know if I've told this story before in the podcast about this girl who was attacked down in Inchicore did I ever tell you this story? no so it's a while ago now it's not we weren't doing the podcast when it happened she was going out with someone who's a known criminal oh god okay her and him shared an apartment together okay Um, she had a child for him okay their relationship became quite tense. He became quite, like, violent and quite, like, essentially uh, abusive. She broke it off with him. Okay. Uh, he uh, kind of, like, left the house. They kind of were, like, separated for a period of time. Okay. Um, but he maintained this, like, hold over her because, like, the baby was still involved and she couldn't really get away from him. And yeah, the, the telltale way. signs. Is she then gave her like so essentially her kid was out like away staying over in someone's house overnight and mm-hmm. the next day no one could get in touch with her and she lived in an apartment in Inchicore um and no one could get in touch with her for like the whole day and then oh. her mother went to the apartment late that night the next day because they were like you were worried were worried couldn't get in uh went and got her sister who had the spare key got into the apartment and found her in her bed and her face was so badly beaten she couldn't tell if it was her and she was like so badly like abused but she was in a completely clean apartment she had been beaten within an inch of her life the apartment had been cleaned her fingernails had been cut she'd been put into the bat the bed sheets had been changed on the bed and she'd been put back into the bed as if she was sleeping and um, hoped that she would have like some form of hemorrhage from like the beating she got and left her to die in the apartment and only for her mother came back and found her in the apartment and they never went to the guards they were so terrified they never went to the guards they were terrified she just left the country with her child what the fuck because he's a known criminal that is terrible Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Yeah. And there are so many women, so many women in these relationships oh that are abusive relationships with criminals yeah. that have access to guns yeah. that have... If you leave me, you're going to die. Yeah. Um. And she, her family were so terrified of the repercussions <sighs> if they went to the police and how long it would take... And everything that goes into that would it. would be involved. And, and the fact that, like, the house had been... Like, her mother said the house smelled of bleach. She said, like, the house oh, was Oh, Sarah, spotless. could you imagine walking into that? She... 
Oh my God, can you imagine just yeah. in the bed like... She said that she couldn't tell, like they got her to the hospital, the hospital, the guards came, oh, um, so but the laws in Ireland, they're not the same as the laws in England. So in England, remember that Caroline Flack lady that ended up committing suicide? Yeah. Her, remember that incident that she was arrested for? So she had a lamp or something, was it? She assaulted her partner with a lamp. Yeah. He didn't press charges. But they can still bring charges. But they can still bring charges because the police were involved. Yeah. She didn't press charges. There was no police involved. But when she went to the, when she was brought into the hospital. hospital, her mother was like, "I don't know. I found her in the bed." So the police came, and the mother was like, "I don't know what's happened. Like she wasn't with anybody. I had her. I d- I don't know." And the police went to the house, but like when she woke up, she was like, "I'm not. I don't want to talk. I don't about want to it. talk about. It. I'm not pressing charges." So the police were like, "We can't do anything about it." And she just left. She just was like, like it's not safe. And so it's she's just, not in Ireland anymore. She's not in Ireland anymore. She just left. She was like, it's safer if well, I go I, to the police. I hope wherever she is, she's okay and yeah. she's getting the help she needs. Isn't that horrific? Please stop killing women. Hmm? Please just stop killing And then there's another, there's a man that lives across the road from me that's in prison for... I remember that, yeah. Grievous bodily harm. Been... Uh, again same situation this woman was in a relationship with this man she had children for him he's a known criminal um, she, their relationship became really abusive he was abusing her he was physically beating her he was really abusive she broke up with him got away from him she moved out of the house she moved into her own house but he still had access to the children she had a barring order put in against him yeah. she left her house to go to a Christmas party he was watching her on Facebook and social media she came back. She said that they had been in quite a good place as well, that they were kind of communicating that he was trying to get access to the kids and right. she was trying to like figure it out. Um, she came back from the Christmas party and as she drove up the road in the taxi, he jumped on front of the I bonnet. I remember that, yeah. Um, pulled the, her out of the car. Beat her. Beat her. Then pulled... The girl out of the car that was with her to try to like get out and help yeah. her, beat her, then tried to get the taxi man out of the car. And as he was trying to get the taxi man out of the car, that girl cl- crawled away, tried to get help from her neighbours, was like the poor woman Sarah Jane just mentioned, was on the ground in their garden trying to bang on their door, trying to get them to open and knew like the video footage of it is shocking and knew that if she if he had got her, her he was walking through people's gardens screaming her name trying to get her and then finally he saw that that front door opened the neighbours pulled her in closed the door rang the guards and he continuously screamed at, at them to let her let like essentially know that she was in there the guards came she had to go in an ambulance she has brain damage she has a full metal plate in the right side of her face she um, was like within an inch of her life has to have like had reconstructive surgery on her face has no feeling in the like bottom half of her face whatsoever oh um, and he got four years for four years. A, for a grievous bodily harm he preempted that attack he followed her on That's social what's media bothering me it's like if she, he it was premeditated he yeah. he went in there to kill her yeah that was all. His, that was his end game. He like wanted her dead. They didn't have dead. a conversation. It didn't become no, an escalation. No, he dragged her out of a taxi. He, ar- he arrived on her road. And the fact that he did it, not try to be secretive about it. There was a, two witnesses. He did not care. Mm-hmm. He wanted her dead. Mm-hmm. And he got four years for yeah, four years. Her. The law is not for women, Sarah Jane. Yeah, and she is so 
strong. She is such a brave individual. She now works with the um, women's refuge centers. She gives talks on like women's like essentially how to tell the telltale signs that you're essentially in an abusive relationship before it becomes physically abusive, how to get out of them. Like she has done, she still lives in Ballyferma. She openly is on, she's been on primetime. I've seen her on. She is on, uh, she's been on like news talk. She openly goes and speaks about him and she says he will be out of prison in a year. I will have to see him. I can't get, I still see his family. His family still think that he didn't do anything wrong. Like oh. his mother still comes and cleans his empty house. But I tell you, I've never seen When I tell you Irish mouths need to get a fucking grip on their like, lives. Any mother, any mother. When I tell you I'd let the cunt rot, I'd let him rot, I'd burn his gaff down. That's like, what I do. Yeah. Burn his fucking gaff down. Um, and he Scumbag. got four years. Four years. He tried to kill her. Four years. for That's um, attempted murder. Yeah. That's not grievous bodily no. harm. That's fucking attempted murder. Yeah. Um. So. Stop. Yeah. If you're like in an unsafe relationship, please reach out to somebody. Please. And if you're please. a family member that knows someone's in an unsafe relationship, no matter how uncomfortable or awkward it is, no matter how much someone is not going to talk to you. Just try. Have just the conversation. try. Like people are being killed. And the thing about it is, we all know somebody that Every has woman been in this situation. in this world. Yeah, knows, is either a victim of it or knows a victim yeah, of it. Absolutely. Directly. Like, you deserve to, you don't only really deserve to live, you deserve to thrive. You deserve yeah. to not just exist, you deserve to have happiness and love and care. And so many young girls are brought up to believe that they don't deserve that and that violence and anger and pain is how someone shows love. Or being really jealous. Yeah, like, oh, he's jealous because he loves Loves me. me. No, he's jealous because he loves himself. And he's insecure. And he's deeply insecure. And he's projecting that on you. You deserve, on your darkest day, on your worst day, on your baddest, horriblest, most can't get out of bed day, you deserve to be loved. And it's so hard. It's so easy to say that because it's then you see people that that don't know that they just don't. But it's like it, yeah, and it is really easy to say it. It's but so it's easy also to make these statements. Like these people know the type of individual that they need to get to. Absolutely, these women are love bombed in the yeah, beginning. Love bombed. Like, like if you're in I a love brand you. new you're relationship, the most amazing person in the world. Oh my god, you're and amazing. I can't live without you. I can't and live without now you. slowly, uh, yeah. starting to remove you away from all of your friends. Yeah. And the only person you see is me. And I love you so much. Yeah. And then all of you a don't sudden, need your family. Yeah. You don't need your friends. You just need me. Yeah. I'm all you need. And it's done in such a subtle way. Yeah. And then after six months, you're isolated. And but also, not only are you isolated, it's usually at that point where you're like I'd like to see my friends yeah I, I don't want to hang miss, with you anymore I miss my mates I yeah. miss my mum I miss my um, dad I miss and then all of a sudden that's when the problems yeah. arise and it's it's like they've it's like they've all read a book it's like a book it's like they've all been born and handed this book and it's like here's how you manipulate and destroy someone mm-hmm. and here's how you do it in such an insidious way that they don't know what's happening until it's happened mm-hmm. and it's terrifying and these are the things that need to be explained to to young girls these not cross your legs not don't wear a short skirt it needs to be explained to girls these men are predators yeah they're predators but it's not being explained and it's still happening and they're it's just devastating like I, I'm so oh man if you are and I know it's an, this is only a fucking podcast by two each but like speak for yourself <laughs> if you are 
if you're scared, if you're experiencing something that you're absolutely terrified of and you feel alone and afraid, just fucking reach out. Like, yeah. even if you want to send a message on Instagram or something, just reach out if you can, because I'm telling you, it gets better. It'll get better. Things get better. These men, yeah. these men have made you believe that that is it. There's never going to be anything better. But there are so many people out there that can help you. There's so many There's so many women in the world that have gotten out and yeah. will tell you how to get how out. How to get out. There are so many people I know, men and women, who have spent time in the Women's Refuge Centre tr- yeah. getting away from like a yeah. violent partner. Yeah. Um, it, it does exist. It's not easy, but there are so there many is, people that can means. help you. There's a means. And not, yeah. not only that, like violence is not just always physical violence. There's emotional and psychological violence yeah, as well. Absolutely. And someone berating you and talking down to you and insulting you and insulting the people you love and making you feel like you're less than a person. That's abuse too. And that can't be stood for. Just because they're not raising their fist to you doesn't no. mean they're not doing damage. So just... Just talk. Just like, if you can, if you can. Oh, everything's garbage. The world is a trash pile. Well, you're not fucking helping the situation, are you? Oh, Jesus Christ. The world's oh, a great place. No, it's a nightmare, Sarah Jane. Oh, Jesus. Oh. Lads, on that note. Um, no, the, listen, there are many amazing people in the world that are out there to help people there and are. are doing amazing fantastic work. work and can help people have brighter days. And Like, imagine these people. These people are amazing. They're like running entire organizations. They're not getting paid for right? it. They're just doing it to be kind and good and help people mm. like that's positive okay positive yes back on the positive so many people out there my pit smell uh, I'm, I'm smelly fucking pits lads um, anyway but anyway have a nice week this got very dark sorry the podcast is back hey, hey. I mean, no, it, it, it didn't get dark it's no. like it got, it got real man people need help and everyone should be able to not everybody but not everybody if you need help like if it's reaching out to a stranger anything ask for help just anything that you can because we need to stop these fucking women need to stop being statistics mm-hmm. that's what's the problem is preach we... bitch preach okay that's it Colin cut all of this out kill all, kill all the men kill all the men cut off their mickeys <laughs> That's how many really music videos have mickeys in how them? many music videos have mickeys in them um, I hope everybody has a great weekend happy Christmas weekend it's Wednesday it's only it's Monday, Monday. <laughs> I was doing next to nothing about a year ago But Sarah Jane and Emma came and knocking on my door Said they figured out a better way to pass the time Do a little podcast, researching through crime They wanted hoodies, cats and bees The kind of place where men are not allowed They wanted hoodies, cats and bees On Sunday night Sarah Jane would come around Lay a story down And just about when everything was going as planned Sarah Jane and Emma started making demands You're gonna have to edit out for what we said And I'll only record if we're sitting on a bed Some army hammer jokes And a song to end the show